0: Hello and welcome to the Trusted Tech Talks podcast series, serverless edition. Your host today is Cloud and DevOps specialist Lloyd Lowson, and he'll be joined by David Marin, a senior engineering manager at Booking.com to discuss building authentication APIs.
1: Hi David, thanks for joining us today. How are you? Oh
0: yeah, yeah, good, enjoying the new, <laughs> the new normal. <laughs>
1: Yes, uh, strange times at the moment, but uh, yes, very, much so.
0: very <laughs> much so.
1: All this virtual, oh, usually pop podcasts uh, oh, weren't really around, but, um, like especially when the events were around. Everyone was going to the events, weren't they? Really? <laughs> um, and, I know, going cool. for the free well, beer and pizza, and yeah, we're exactly. New time,
0: <laughs> new challenges. We adapt, <clears throat> we improvise. That's the way we go.
1: Yeah, that's it. But uh, no, good to have you today. And uh, I know we've been uh, trying to get you on, haven't we, uh, for the podcast for a while now. But uh, I'm glad to have you on um, uh, because yeah, speaking to the people in the market and people I know around service, and uh, you're the guy to speak to as well. So, uh,
0: yeah, that's good <laughs> feedback. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. Some people <laughs> might take it as an offense, but I'll
1: take it as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, but yeah, no, um, obviously, uh, well, there's quite a lot really uh, that we've been covering around Serverless on the past couple of podcasts and uh, the event that we're running as well. So, um, just wanted to, well, I guess from see from your point of view, what's your what is your view on Serverless?
0: So, Serverless, uh, what, what everybody everybody associates with Serverless is Lambda because it's usually the, the the go-to thing in AWS or where the pioneers in this sense Uh, that has been associated to the idea of serverless but serverless really is anything that means you're not managing servers it doesn't mean servers are not there it just means the servers are abstracted for you uh, from you and uh, anybody who's been in the software industry for a while and many people still do nowadays anybody who's been involved in this know that maintaining servers is actually a very very difficult job and I tip my hat off to those who still do, but as somebody with a strong developer um, kind of a background, I sometimes prefer to focus on the de- developing applications itself and not managing service. One very, very good quote was something that Jan Kui said a while ago. And it was, if, you, if, if the work that you're doing is not directly contributing to give some benefit to your customers, then it's just basically an operational overhead. Stuff like patching servers, creating auto-scaling rules, those kind of things, they do not really help your customers. They're there to make sure that you're operational, but they're not really giving your customers like a new functionality, like a new payment method, you know, the things that make customers go to your application. So this is where the whole reasoning comes from, right? It gives you a competitive edge. It means that there is this complete set of things that are very, very difficult when you're running in production that you still have to care about to some degree, but it abstracts some of that functionality for you. And that is what I think makes serverless so good. So you have things like Dynamo, you've got things like half of the managed services that AWS gives you, Azure is doing a fair bunch of them and GCP is now up in the game. So it is a really good time because most of the big cloud providers are realizing that as a company is concerned, it makes a lot of sense to invest in these kind of things.
1: Yeah, that's it. And uh, I guess this just kind of a uh, um, question that, I, I guess it's it very similar into, with serverless with other cloud providers. They all offer the same service in that sense. Um, but would your preference be AWS? Is that just kind of what you've worked with um, or, currently and in the past
0: yeah i have a fairly heavy bias towards aws mm-hmm. mostly because they were there before with the, they were there first with lambda yeah. and they've learned a great deal that many others haven't and to a certain degree because their portfolio of products is actually fair bit larger than most of the other cloud providers and is learned something and do it well if I don't don't want to be a bit of a jack of all trades, you know. Know your limits. Yeah. I know my limits. <laughs> Being a serverless expert in all three cloud computings, I might struggle with that one, and I'd rather just focus on one and do it properly and that one. But yeah, do the best I can. Let's just not say do it properly. <laughs> do the best I can. Yeah,
1: makes sense. Okay, great. And uh, would would you say I guess this serverless is the future of cloud computing going forward, or is there always going to be that element of some companies that don't necessarily need to use it?
0: So in, in computing and software in general, calling something the future is incredibly, incredibly dangerous. Yeah. Because there is a chance that, you, that there's actually a 99% chance you'll be wrong. Yeah. What I would say is serverless is definitely not going to be a fad. It's not going to be here for a couple of months and then just disappear because it it will pick up strong. It does bring a undebated competitive advantage. One of the things that some of the detractors will say is that it will lock you into a cloud provider, i.e. Amazon, or if you're using Azure Functions, Azure, you get the idea, it will lock you to a provider, which there's frameworks like the serverless framework that actually help you to kind of mitigate that, but they have their own stuff located locked to their providers. But if you think about it seriously, the issue is to not lock yourself to a cloud provider. You're going to have to put so much stuff around it in order to be able to lift yourself out but and go into a different provider that it just most of the time makes it cost ineffective. And it always brings the memory whenever somebody talks about the whole vendor locking thing, because it is quite the thing that keeps being brought back in the community. It reminds me for a a few years ago, when I was a developer, there was this huge, huge fury to use um, ORMs, which were object relational mappings. And these libraries would basically, in theory, allow you to connect to any database, and then you would just query the database in a way that was fairly agnostic. And... The dream was you can shift your stuff from SQL Server to MySQL with, that, with just changing the connection strings. Now, the issue is anybody who run a, and I'm not saying there, there won't be somebody out there who have to do this, but most people who run a fairly strong load system using SQL Server know that there's a point where you have to start doing some darkness that is only available on sql <laughs> server so that migration will definitely not be moving a just a query string and that's it. it 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 becomes more difficult and if you want to stay competitively relevant you have to tie yourself into something we're all tied let's just say any company who does dotnet uh, you're tied to net you're tied to microsoft so the, the principle applies to just about every area you want to go
1: yeah well that's it and uh, I guess, how have Booking uh, been using serverless then? When did they start? So, Was you kind of brought in when they was already using it? Or was you there from the start um, of introducing serverless?
0: So if you think about it, Booking as an organization is a very, very, very large organization. Yeah. We have loads of people here in Manchester. We've got even more people in Amsterdam. So from the engineering point of view, it is absolutely massive. I would hardly call myself a strong uh, service proponent in booking. What we are doing is on the Manchester side, we've got some parts of the business that are more cloud native, if you will, as in parts of the business that were native to AWS from day one. So it's easier to migrate these things and it's easier to do. So in those parts of the business that I'm lucky to work on with, Right now, small workloads, stuff to do. yeah um, very um, how to say it, I, I can't give you like full-blown disclosure of what yeah. what we're doing with yeah. him or not, but it's things that do some workloads like pricing and things like that, where a lambda makes absolute perfect sense. It gets you an API, it gets it quick, you get all that benefit of going to live super quick and you get all of these things. So it's something that we continuously evaluate. The problem that you have with serverless because it is such a change of paradigm, it's such a difficult change, such a different thing of thinking, then you enter into another way, which is how do your engineering teams start to evolve in order to adopt this new paradigm? And that's the, uh, the, the question that we're trying to answer some group of people before we start proposing a major adoption of serverless in booking i think many big companies like you see coca-cola is doing it like some very very big companies are going for it yeah there will be a benefit but you have to answer that it cannot be and this is something that is very common to big companies you will not be in a position where you can just open it for everyone and just go and do whatever you want to service you have to have an order you have to give some rules on how to use
1: things and things like that nice okay great and uh yeah i guess um obviously well we've been speaking over the past couple of weeks on this but uh um and obviously we're going to delve into it now but you've actually wrote a series of blogs around actually creating a serverless authentication api as well so yeah i guess tell us a bit more about that
0: then so it goes back to the initial point that I was telling you that serverless is not just landless. So one of the unsung, uh, I will not call it heroes, but it is actually a fairly neat piece of functionality in AWS is Cognito. Cognito gives you basically user management without having to worry about some of the PII information. Any responsible company nowadays would make sure because of GDPR and everything, and pure responsibility, let's be honest, you'll make sure that yeah. any PII, which is personal identifiable information, is always seen by people who should be seeing it. And this is one of the things that Kunita gives you. It gives you this compartmentalization where you can have some of your um, user data stored in, say, DynamoDB, but all of the stuff like your address, your email address and your, say your telephone number, these kind of things as attributing Cognito. So I set off to try and do something like a real life example of how you would have a full blown authentication uh, API where you can create your users, you can register users, you can confirm them, you can send the confirmation email, you can do all of that. And by doing that, I knew that I was gonna to be touching quite a few fairly crucial concepts of Lambda and how to create service APIs. So it kind of helped me to do that. And in the first, first, I divide that into four parts is I'm currently finished at part number four. And the first one talks about what Cognito is, what it does for you, how, just going to need to work with user pools, how do how they interact with each other, how do you set one up? And it talks about AWS SAM, which is what I'm using for creating the sample application. Yeah. And then it talks about the foundations of a Lambda. A lot of people will think of a Lambda and that's it. And one of the issues that many people think is, well, but I don't really want to have an application where you have all these things spread around and they all just you're going to be duplicating a lot of stuff, and this is where Lambda layers kick in, and they're really really good for it. Uh, so, I touch a little bit of Lambda layers over there. Yeah. There's another post in my blog somewhere that talks about how to do unit testing with Lambda layers, which it gets a little bit tricky, but it's actually fairly easy once you figure it out. Yeah. And so, I basically touch on why it's important to consider Lambda layers when you're designing your API and how to kind of have a base layer that will keep some of the important things like logging, like um, some of the packages that you're going to be using everywhere, connection to your AWS kits and things like that. Mm -hmm. So that's your first introduction to how a serverless API would work, would would look like. Then there is a second part that talks around the actual foundations of Cognito and what Cognito does. So basically, this is touching on the flow of getting a user registered. And this is something that I've used Cognito in the past. And it was something that I found that kind of had to do this personal decryption to kind of figure out how the whole thing works. Because it can get a little bit convoluted because most people, especially if you're doing a small API where you just playing with something or you just want to do a tiny website you go like do i really need to go through all of this but there's actually an easy way to do it and this is part of the thing that i touch on. it it's like this is this is how the usual um flow would look like but this is how you can do it and there is a, a lot of tweaks and a lot of things and i share some of the tips that i found out how yeah. do you go and create a new account? And as I'm going, I've been sharing um, basically the, land, the code on the Lambdas yeah. that I've been creating and how to test it, how you go, how you create a new user. And then you go into the, you get in the verification codes for a user because cognito kind of forces you into this world where it forces security by design which I think is a good thing. It is, it is a very important thing. You can yeah. choose to opt out from security and to verify users, but um, that the, they make it fairly explicit. You have to say, right, I, I don't want to do this. And I think it's good that nowadays, with everything going on, that we force developers to think of security when we're doing something. And this is one yeah. of the things that I touched on the post. So it talks around the way uh, logging a user works and how you have all these different stages and all these statuses and how you can bake in stuff like um two-factor auth and it, it touches quite a few important things that if you were doing all of this from scratch it would take a lot of time so this is where the benefit begins to really really kick in by the time we're imposed to i think medium would say that the reading time for the post were about um 10 minutes i think or something like that you're maybe half an hour in one hour in, and you already have an api that lets you register a user and lets you log in a user so if you try to do that by yourself with sending emails and having the whole shebang believe me it will take more than an hour. So, and it's it, it's that you're you're not having to worry about many of these security features. Many of how do I add any um, attributes? How do I refresh the tokens? How do I do uh, JSON Web Tokens? Which is so many different difficult concepts that you have to take into consideration. That because there is this APIs that just take it all into account. This is a very very well known pattern in the industry. Everybody uses users and have registrations and this is a fairly well-known thing so we're just going to give it to you one service yeah and then on part three i go more around how you can customize your user comms, and because could need to send you this very incredibly dry email when you create a user that says your confirmation code is this boom done <laughs> <laughs> and that's it is, is, is something that you look at it and you go this was designed by a developer there is clearly no doubt that there was zero <laughs> design input into it so um it i touch on a few things around because everything i do i am incredibly always trying to push making sure that everything that you do your infrastructure is developers code and i touch around the fact that with ses which is the simple email service you have to Verify um, email address manually is the only manual step you've got in there. And then I created an email template, which obviously I downloaded from somewhere because I am a developer. So <laughs> <laughs> I am actually horrible at doing these things. So I got myself a swanky new template and just basically went through right, if I've got this template, how do I go about to make sure that the emails people using. This API receive is this email instead of the dry email and this is the kind of thing where Cognito can be really really powerful because when you start going into it you can have things uh, it has I think six or seven different points of the flow of users where you can put your own lambda functions and say right before you do this let me play with the data that you're doing and modify it and Before you send an email, it's one of those where you can say, well, hang on, before you send that dry email, let me process the text, let me get some of those attributes, let me just give people a more personalized thing, and off you go, send that. So it introduces the fact that you have all this power that you can unlock with Cognito, and you can send all these really, really, really nice, fully created emails. I mean, as nice as your design skills go, mine are not particularly far, but... (laughs) It, it gives you everything to, to be able to create a fully-fledged API. And then I thought the last one, which was, uh, it's, so far it's been the closing one. I've, um, I've had a few requests on how to continue it, but so far it's been the closing <laughs> one. Um, the last one touches around how do you secure your API calls. And it's secure, it talks about um, how to do a demo. And basically the demo would be a Lambda that serves just a header. And this is something that we actually do very heavily on the Manchester side of Booking.com. And Booking.com is growing more into using micro frontends. So I gave a bit of a talk about how we were using micro frontends back in the pre-corona days in one of the JavaScript meetups that we had in in the office. Uh, but basically it is one of the ways we're using to be able to scale many teams working on the same application. But one of the issues that you find is how do you make sure that in the context you can pass to a microfront end all the information that that you need to know. And this is pretty much the premise of what I'm doing. And the demo was something that when you call that Lambda, it gives you a a header using Twitter bootstrap because again, my design skills are not the best. (laughs) But the point is that to that same Lambda function, you could send a token, which is your authentication token that you get from calling the login endpoint of the API. And instead of returning you the same header, it will return you a header with your name and some links that only somebody who would be logged in could see. Then in that post, I talked around how would you decode a JWT token, which is the tokens that you get generated for these kind of things. And talk a little bit about a library that I've created. Uh, that, <laughs> it's called DCM Lambda Tills, but okay. it's because, honest, honest to God, I have no other names to put So it's, a, it's, it's also GitHub. Everything is open source. And basically, that library kind of eases the process of going and creating a whole new, um uh, all the authentication and validating the tokens and all that stuff. If somebody really, really wants to see the pain that you have to go through to do all that, the library is there in GitHub. you can go by all means and use it or even go and improve it. I'm happy to listen to pull requests and things like that. Um but basically that was that was the premise. That was the premise of the four uh posts that I did. It was exploring how would you go from start to end to do a fully fledged API that will, and the last pose is more like, right, it's here. How do we use these tokens? How do we make sure that this is actually working? And That's what, what it gives you and something. It, it's very, very nice that in something as simple as one line, you can already go and say, right, decode me these token, and it tells you, right, token is valid, here's the user, that's it, you're good. And you know that that is a secure operation. You know that that is something that AWS is handling the whole security of the whole thing for you, which is yeah. very very convenient. So that's it. It, it was nice. it was four four posts. It it definitely took a lot longer to write than it takes to go through it uh, talking. <laughs> but, but it was it was a fairly um, fairly brief. But I think it would be very very useful for many people who've not really yeah. built stuff with serverless and not built stuff with Cognito to kind of get some insight on how these work and give them some
1: of the some of the ideas and how to use it nice yeah definitely um we've got quite well, a few companies um but obviously starting into that this year as well and uh be good you know for them to hear this and uh we will also do as well we'll we'll post uh obviously your blogs um on the, on the podcast as well so people can you know go through them and uh look into it as well from, from that side but uh no, thanks for the, uh, obviously, in-depth um, obviously uh, uh, conversation on that as well. It's good to, because uh, I've been following it for a couple of weeks now, so uh, it's good to hear <laughs> it from, from yourself as well. And uh, obviously, yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not a techie, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's good to... If, uh... Even
0: you could follow the blogs. Yeah. Even somebody who's not a tech. Well, I, I try, and um, it's one of the, um, let's say, remarks, because I don't want to use criticisms. Yeah. Sometimes I try to make sure that things are very much at a very very clear level to yeah. explain to everyone mostly because I, I used to be a teacher a few few oh, years nice. ago where it was back in in cuba my original country yeah. so uh, that habit of explaining things and making sure that i trash them down it even permeates when i'm writing because <laughs> i really want people to understand yeah. the, what i'm telling them. there's no magic there's nothing there's i'm not even that smart so if i'm doing it clearly it can
1: be done <laughs> by yeah. just about anyone. <laughs> Fair enough, nice. Oh, great, well, um, yeah, obviously, uh, thanks for um, coming on today and, uh, yeah, obviously sharing that with us as well and uh, definitely the audience out there. Serverless is massive for a lot of people now and, pe- obviously, people that want to know even more as well so that'll help them out um, going forward and, uh, yeah, good to have you on for the uh, second episode of uh, Serverless as well. Yeah, thank
0: you for having me.
1: No, thanks for your time anyway, David. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we'll be rounding it up in the next couple of weeks. I can imagine what, pencil things in the people's diary, but we're gonna be doing like a round table sort of serverless as one as well going forward. So uh, keep an eye out on that one. Sounds good. Sounds good. Come in and that kind of thing. I love
0: I love talking about this with people yeah. and Listen to other viewpoints and yeah. people telling
1: me sometimes that it's not the best, and more than happy to hear to those as well. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough, but uh, no, that's uh, that's everything. Obviously, uh, this week from the Trusted Tech Talks uh, Servers Podcast. Obviously, thanks again, David, for joining us. Uh, Thank you, your experience and knowledge, and obviously, thanks for everyone listening and. Uh, be sure to uh, um, obviously check in and uh, yeah, see what the insights of uh, the world of serverless are in the next couple of podcasts. And uh, feel free to find me as well uh, on Trusted Tech Talks uh, on LinkedIn or on uh, my personal page as well. I've got a message. Until then, uh, thanks David again and uh, take care and keep an eye out for
0: the next episodes. Thank you. Cheers. Bye.